Welcome to The Wondering Mind, a mental health podcast. I'm your host, Emily Elizabeth. On this show, we have candid conversations in hopes to break stigmas and show you that you are not the only one who struggles with your mental health. By sharing our stories, we can let others know that healing is possible if you work hard and put your wondering mind to it. So let's get started. Do you want to be a guest on the show? Do you have a mental health story that you'd like to share? Email us at thewonderingmindpodcast at gmail.com. Are you looking for a new way to relax and center your mind? Do you live in Louisville, Kentucky? Be sure to check out Weightless Float Center in Distillery Commons. And when booking online, use promo code TWM for 20% off your first session. In today's episode, I chat with author Tiffany Mosier of Beauty Beyond the Threshold. Today, Tiffany opens up about going through a traumatic and unexpected breakup that led her down a dark path. She talks about how getting outside her comfort zone and dedicating her time and efforts to help others released her mind from a depressive and destructive state. So if you'd like to learn more about Tiffany's mental health journey, then keep on listening. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Wondering Mind, a mental health podcast. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. This show is in no way meant to treat or diagnose any type of mental illness. I'm not a mental health professional, simply someone that just felt called to share what I've learned and am learning along my mental health journey. Thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Wondering Mind podcast. I'm your host, Emily Elizabeth. With me today, I have the author of Beauty Beyond the Threshold and philanthropist Tiffany Mosher. Before we get into her story, I want to brag about her for a moment because I researched her background and I find it very impressive. And she obtained a bachelor's of science in social science with concentration in anthropology and sociology from the University of Maryland and a Master of Science in Human Security and Resilience from Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. And what she currently does now is she is the International Missions Director for Aid Now and also a volunteer with All Hands and Hearts. You're doing a lot. You've done a lot. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Emily, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I'm really excited for everyone to learn about you and your story, because when we had our pre-interview chat, I was blown away by your resiliency and your ability to just go for it when you are in a really tough spot mentally. So my first question to you is what inspired you to get into the world of volunteering? I had been invited to volunteer Years ago, this was probably back in 2011 for Aid Now, which is the organization I'm on a board of right now. But I was asked to come in and volunteer 
my, my neighbor and friend was one of the founders and it's a beautiful organization where they put this huge back to school event for the homeless children in the Virginia beach city public school system. And so I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll help out with that. And being an introvert and being super shy, I was like, I'm going to help, but give me something that I don't really need to interact with a lot of people, <laughs> you know, cause this is hard for, you know, I don't want to yeah. be, I wanted to ease into it in a comfortable way. And I did just that. I worked back in the fitting room section. So when the children would come and try on their new clothes, we would give them then, you know, seeing their smiles and they were so excited to get these new clothes for school. I was like, Oh, this, this feels really good. And I felt it was a little bit easier to let myself go and interact. And I subsequently volunteered at that event for a couple of years and then went to Mexico for a music festival. And there was a volunteer opportunity in some little villages there. And so I took that opportunity to do that. And I just found that volunteering was something I enjoyed doing. So then when I was going through my depression and recovery, I felt that there's always this sense of joy I got from volunteering. And I wanted to use, see if I could use that as a way to pull myself out of a dark situation. So speaking of that, can we touch on that a little bit? Can you tell us a little bit about what got you into that depressive state and why you felt it was so important to get outside your comfort zone? I had never really struggled with depression and anxiety as a child, as a teenager. I had a pretty easygoing life. And so it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s where I was just all of a sudden found myself in a situation where I went from being a wife and a mom, a stay-at-home mom at that, to having the rug ripped out completely beneath me. And now I'm a single mother of a three-year-old daughter, a six-month-old son. And I just was blindsided by the whole thing. It really left me with a fear of abandonment. And that took me down this really dark, mental, depressive spiral, we'll just say. just I couldn't move past the fear of abandonment. So it left me in this little place where I felt the most safe is if I had control over my situation mentally, but it was in a negative way. So it was, I was just in this bubble of fear and worry, constant paranoia, constant anxiety, constantly seeing the negative and everything, constantly waiting and planning for the worst thing to happen. And it was just such a negative place, very lonely place to be. At the same time, I also felt like I have no purpose in my life. What am I doing here? I don't even have a reason to be here anymore. And I have that mentality. After I survived the suicide attempt, I decided, you know what? This mindset that I'm having is not allowing me to grow. Maybe what I need to do is step outside of my comfort zone and face my fears a little bit. That's where I'll find that purpose. Because more than anything, I wanted to feel a sense of purpose in my life. I loved being a mom, but I needed something for myself. And that's where I got the desire to see what pushing myself out of my comfort zone would do for me. And it worked wonders. That's pretty remarkable because when people are in that state of mind, especially when they become suicidal, it's really hard to come back from that. It takes a lot of energy and assistance outside yourself to help you bounce back from something like that, especially if you attempted suicide. Who helped you through that process? Did you go to therapy or was it just a situation where you had hit rock bottom and there were two choices? You would either 
not exist anymore, or you would do something completely different to try and save yourself? I would say it was a combination of things. You know, I tried counseling and different medications and things like that, and and they helped to an extent, but it was that sense of purpose I really needed to find within myself. I also found too that I wasn't sharing with my therapist everything. If I could go back, I would open up more, but I didn't feel comfortable because I kind of saw her more as a grandma. She was much older than I was. (laughs) And I felt like she's so sweet and so nice, but she's going to, how could she understand what I'm going through? She's going to judge me. I, I know that's the wrong mindset of thinking. And I know that now, but at the time, that's how I felt. But at the end of the day, I just needed to find that sense of purpose. And so Yes, the, um, the suicide attempt and surviving that and, and going into to treatment as a result was like a rock bottom moment for me. And I realized, okay, you know what? I'm glad that that wasn't successful. I realize now I want to be alive. I want to be here, but I need to find out why. That's what I'm searching for. And I longed for it so, so much. So it was a combination of would then start to open up more after that to people who were curious about sitting down and having conversations with me. I would feel more comfortable saying, you know, how I was feeling in little bits at a time. I had to make sure I felt comfortable doing it because once again, I'm shy. So it was hard for me to just open up, but I found through conversations and through being open, I found that I'm not so alone in the things that I'm going through. And that was a beautiful part of it that I kind of developed this little sense of community too with the people that I was able to share with because I knew they were struggling as well. And I had no idea. That was the nice part of it. It's so crazy because with so many people that I have on the show, it's a constant trend that a lot of folks say that just by opening up even to one person, and sharing your story and being vulnerable, you begin to realize that other people have gone through similar situations and have had similar mindsets. And you're just like, wow. And it sounds so silly because you're like, well, anyone can just talk about anything, but it's not true. When you go through something like this, it's really hard to almost express it enough so that someone could fully understand. But when you try and you do, and you realize that there are other people that have experienced similar situations. It's almost like a burden has been lifted and it gives you an open doorway to continue to heal through conversations. That's remarkable that you ended up doing that and felt comfortable. And were these people, people you met in treatment or were they just people that you had in your life already, like family and friends? People in my life already, it was easier to open up to friends than family because I felt that I was, in my mind, I felt like I was ashamed to tell my family. I was embarrassing. Sometimes when I would tell certain people, whether it was family or certain friends, well, you know, why didn't you just reach out to me? You know, you can call me anytime, but it's not that simple. It really isn't. But I wish... Looking back, I would have at least tried because I think if I would have had conversations before the attempt, it probably, you know, would have, I I wouldn't say it would have prolonged it or if it would have cured it. I I can't predict how I would have felt in the moment now, but I feel like it would have helped in a way. 
big thing was I felt so alone and that nobody could ever possibly understand, which is very, very far from the truth. For those that haven't been that depressed before, and I have, I have never actually attempted suicide, but I've been very close. I've thought about it. I've had suicidal ideations throughout my entire life. And you're right. It's it's not as simple as just someone saying, oh, you can reach out to me anytime because the state of mind that you're in is so abnormal and it's almost like you're too far gone. And And like you said, the embarrassment, the shame comes with that, the anxiety of being judged. There's a lot that factors into it. Being able to kind of have that talk with yourself and realize that this is important. I do need to open up is a huge milestone and a huge step. It is. I think back when I was writing the book and writing about this section about the depression and the suicide attempt, those thoughts leading up, I had avoided those thoughts for so long. You know, I had come so far in my recovery, but I knew it was important to be able to have the reader understand, especially for those who have never felt this way. I wanted to kind of, in a way, I don't know if this sounds weird, but I wanted to make them uncomfortable as reading it to understand because unless you've lived it, there's no possible way to grasp what it, what's going on in your, in a mindset like that. And it was very difficult to do, but at the same time, it was very therapeutic because I feel like for once I was opening up and letting those emotions out that I didn't let out before. And I feel like it was very freeing. And I felt that when I expressed those negative thoughts and those hardships that I was like, wow, actually, maybe I can work through this. Now, I don't know if that was because I'm in a better mindset now. I'm thinking that I, I can't it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say how I would have reacted if I would have opened up back then, but I really feel like opening up does help. It really does. Even if it's something that you've been neglecting, trying to feel for so long, I'm glad that I put this down there on paper and pushed it out to the world because for so long, I've just been avoiding being like, okay, that's in my past and I don't need to deal with that anymore. But at the end of the day, that fear of abandonment is underlying and maybe dormant right now, which is good, but it's always going to be there. And I have to be consciously aware of that through the therapeutic process of revisiting those emotions. I have found that I'm now more consciously aware of my triggers and what circumstances to avoid things like that. So it's talking about it, writing it out, doing whatever you can is a very helpful process. It's pretty remarkable that things so simple as having a conversation and writing things down on paper physically, not on your phone, not on your computer. I mean, those can help too, but it's different when you're writing on paper, I feel. And physically almost pushing it out of you and releasing that burden, what it can do for your healing process. Like you said, you became much more self-aware. You were able to pinpoint your triggers and what situations made you uncomfortable and probably if you were around certain people, if they made you feel a certain type of way and, you know, who to avoid and who to give your energy to and who not. And that's really important because a lot of people, they don't know how to become self-aware. So I'm really glad that you kind of broke it down for the listeners because, you know, there are many different ways that you can heal and continue to grow and evolve and become self-aware. But I think those two are the most crucial. I feel like for me, putting it down on paper and 
it took it out of my mind and put it into something tangible. I hope this makes sense because to me, it really proved like I'm seeing, you know, outside of my mind, I'm seeing on paper what I was doing to myself as far as those negative thoughts and the way I was treating myself in the process and seeing it like that, you know, sometimes reading something that's separate from something you're feeling is it hits you a little bit harder, if, if that makes sense. You know, sometimes I'll read a book and I'll read something. I'm like, wow, I never thought that that would apply to me. And I feel that. And that's what writing it all down did. I was able to look at it from a different perspective than I did when I was just sitting alone in my mind with the thoughts. Exactly. That's what I was going to comment on is, and say is a different perspective. It's almost as though you can finally step outside yourself and see what's really going on and you can kind of work through things and make sense of things to an extent and pinpoint the things that you really need to work on and the things that you've been telling yourself that you thought have been true this entire time, but then you write it down on paper and you're like, wait a minute, Hmm. no, this is, this is false. I've been telling myself lies. I mean, I need to work on this. And also about your book, Beauty Beyond the Threshold, I really love that you stated earlier that you not only wrote it for people that are struggling, but you wrote it so that people that have never been in that mindset can begin to understand as much as possible what it's like, because I think that's such an important aspect by bridging the gap between the two, the support system potentially, and then the one who's struggling, because it can be type a certain type of early prevention. You know, if someone is struggling and they turn to someone who has no idea how to act or how to support them in any way, even though they may want to, it can be very detrimental and harmful. But the more we educate, the more that we try to explain via our truths what that mindset is like to the best of our ability so that other people that don't struggle can understand, it can be so impactful and helpful (laughs) So that's really remarkable that you decided to do it in that way. Yeah, I got a message from from someone who read the book and, and they told me that, you know, you put into words what I have not been able to. Mm. And I felt those same things. And nobody, you know, my parents, my spouse, nobody understands. So I'm going to share this book with them so they can see what it is. And I think that was a very powerful thing for me to hear. It's like, that's, that's why I did this. You know, at the end of the day, the hours of writing and editing, and it's an arduous process to say the least, to not only to put everything down there and write a book, but it's an emotional process as well. But to know that someone says what you wrote is how I'm feeling, and this is gonna help my family understand me more, that's what it was all about. And I think that's another reason why I chose to be very raw and open and vulnerable about those dark, dark thoughts, because they're so real. And sometimes it's hard for, for people to put into words how they're feeling. It's it's hard to talk about. It's extremely hard to talk about. And again, sometimes people don't know how to express it, much like the person that wrote to you. You know, they're feeling so many things at once, and most of them are probably extremely dark. And they know that other people probably aren't going to 
understand in the same way that they're experiencing it in the moment. So again, having folks like you who are taking on that responsibility of opening up and sharing your truth and being vulnerable and real and raw and explaining it as best you can, which is really hard to do. Like, how was that process for you? How were you able to, to do that? That part of the book was the last part I wrote. Actually, I wrote the book completely out of order because (laughs) it was the hardest part for me to approach. And so I put it at the very end (laughs) and I waited and waited until I almost had to write it before I did it. When I started writing, I was like, okay, how am I going to approach this? Because I don't feel that way anymore. Thankfully, I don't feel that way anymore, but I need the readers to understand all these things I just wrote about, about all my travels and volunteering and how that helped me and how it helped me grow. They're going to want to know where I was at mentally before all this. And I was thinking about it and I'm like, how am I going to do this? And then I thought to myself, ah, music. Now music is something that has been always a therapeutic thing for me as a musician. I played instruments all my life and playing music has been a therapeutic and thing for me as far as, you know, helps me work through emotions and helps me feel, but also listening to music, you know, with different moods. And when we're happy, we listen to upbeat music. When we're sad, we listen to sad music. And back when I was feeling very depressed, there were two songs I would listen to on repeat, very loud in my earbuds, which was, was Nobody's Home by Avril Lavigne. And the second one was One Step Closer by Linkin Park. And so what I had to do was put them on my Spotify playlist. And I listened to those songs on repeat for two weeks just to get myself back into thinking, you know, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? And it was very powerful. And I would just listen to the songs and on repeat, literally, and just write. And it placed me back there. Listening to those songs now does not place me back there. I can listen to them now. And if it comes on the radio, I don't avoid it. But I'm like, okay, but it's a nice reminder. Look how far you've come. You're not in that mindset anymore. It depends on our moods when we listen to these things too, right? So back when I was super depressed, I would listen to these songs and it would kind of drive me deeper a little bit or justify what I was feeling. And my perspective of them now has changed where it's like, I'm able to listen to it. Okay, it's got a good beat, whatever. But I have to be mindful too, that if I listen to it too much, it may take me back there because that's what it did when I was writing. But it did help me write those things out in a way that if I didn't have the music, I don't know if I would have been able to do it. That is incredible. You know what? You're so right because music was created for that reason, for different moods, for feeling certain types of feelings, for expressing oneself, for healing and and growing and learning and dancing and all different reasons. The fact that you mentioned it took you back to that mindset or rather those kind of those emotions in a sense is such a true statement because whenever you listen to certain types of songs, it kind of, it it almost is like you attach memories to certain songs and you can kind of take yourself back to those, that time frame of your life where, you know, you're living a certain way or doing something or you're with someone. I just think that's so incredible that you even thought to do that. 
I guess it makes sense because you had been consistently during that time frame listening to those songs. So you were like, what will trigger this again to an extent where I can write it down? I mean, that is incredible. And the fact that it didn't trigger you enough to set you back any is remarkable. You know, I'll tell you that I was kind of melancholy. I was, I was somber. I think just because it was such a harsh reminder of who I was at the time. And it was weird because where I'm at now, I remember who she was, who I was, but I don't know who she is. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I, do. I don't feel like I know that person because I don't identify with her anymore. And so it made me sad really to look back and think, wow, in my mind, I felt like I was, I just had no reason to be on this earth anymore. Today, I wake up every morning, like I love life. So it was hard for me to look back and think, who was that? And how did she get here? And how did she get to that awful place? And it's a kind of mourn for her in those time frames when I was writing that part of the book. It was it was a very emotional, heartbreaking process. But at the same time, like I mentioned earlier, it was therapeutic to get it down and feel those things and forgive myself. I had to forgive myself a lot for not judge myself anymore, be ashamed. It's been a really a roller coaster of emotions trying to go through all of that. Almost like giving yourself closure to that yes. time frame yeah. and that and that state of mind that you used to be in. And I can relate entirely to what everything that you just said. It's funny, I was having a conversation with my mom the other day and I was telling her some things that popped up on my Facebook pictures and things that I used to say when I was younger. And it made me sad, much like yourself with your experience, because it was almost as though I didn't even recognize who I used to be because the things that I was doing back then that were so harmful to myself, but I didn't know it at the time, I would never think twice to do now. I would never say the things I did. I would never act the way that I did. I, the mindset that I was in at that time, I was just so lost and confused. And it makes me uncomfortable to even think about it because I can't relate to that anymore. But I think for your experience, it's so beautiful that through this book, you were able to relive, let go, and then find that proper closure do that almost like you said, a grieving process, if you will. And then you're allowed to share it with the world so that they can follow suit and maybe experience that same type of thing within their own life. It's very powerful. Yeah. You know, I'm thankful that it has gotten the positive feedback or, you know, that I've gotten from the book. You know, I was very nervous and very scared to put all this out there. Also, because, you know, a lot of people in my family that were close to me didn't even know that I attempted suicide. Oh, wow. So not only am I now exposing that to them, but I'm exposing it to them at the same time, I'm exposing it to the world. That was a very tough thing for me to do you know, they're my family. I owed it to them to say, you're going to read something that's going to be uncomfortable for you. And I had to talk about it. 
and that was hard at first, but I've learned that through talking about it, through those conversations, and then since the book came out and having conversations with, with readers, with, with women like you, and just with people in general that are curious about my story, I find that it's getting easier and easier to talk about and more comfortable to talk about it. And by being more comfortable, it's helping inspire others. You know, they say, wow, you're so full of life and, you know, you're inspiring me to hold on and to have hope. And that's what makes it easier. Initially starting to talk about it though, is so, so difficult. But the most important thing to remember is that once you start that process and you start doing it, and you just talk about it, you'll gradually see that talking about it does help tremendously. I couldn't agree more with you that it's very difficult, but I think in the back of everyone's mind, if sharing your story can help someone else, then it's worth feeling uncomfortable for however long and repetitively just telling your truth so that it could possibly save someone else's life. I mean, that's the most powerful thing anyone could ever do. And I've said it so many times lately, especially in a world that we're living in like today, where there's so much hate and everyone's so divided that if you can just tell your truth and have conversations with people and connect and build those bridges, we can begin to make this world an infinitely better place. It's all about connection. At the end of the day, when human beings just want connection, they just want to feel a purpose. They just want to feel like they're included, like they're not alone in the world and they're not feeling these things all on their own. By you sharing your story and writing your book, by me starting this podcast, by other folks who might be listening who may have been on the fence about whether or not they should tell their story, they should, you should. Not only will it help you heal, but it'll help someone else heal. And again, that's the most positive and impactful thing that a human being could ever do. I never imagined as an introvert too, that sharing and connecting with strangers would have mm -hmm. been a therapeutic part of this whole process right. as well. For me being an introvert, the concept of talking to strangers or people I didn't know in general is very frightening. I'm the type of person that if I'm at a party or something or a, a gathering, I'm over in the corner eating food and I'm the fly on the wall. And that's where I'm comfortable. Yep, I don't want to have to talk to anybody. Nope. I don't, I don't <laughs> mind. I don't care. If when someone approaches you, then yeah, fine, right? yeah. you're not going to approach anyone. <laughs> exactly. When I was in Puerto Rico volunteering in Hurricane Maria, hurricane response, I found that mealtime, you know, it was dinner and all of the younger volunteers that are in their early twenties and they're all hanging out and having fun and they're all sitting together across the room. And I find that I'm sitting on the opposite end by myself, just with my, with my tacos. And I was like, huh, you know, but this feels good. I get, this is where I'm comfortable. I don't want anybody feeling sorry for me. It feels good that I'm by myself and that's okay. But I also found that the more times I started having conversations with people and talking about my journey and talking about my story, it was like, as an introvert, like, this is helping me. Interacting with people is helping me, which is a huge step out of my comfort zone as well. And I find that sometimes it's easier to talk to strangers about these things because you're not going to be judged as much. 
if that makes sense. Sometimes it's harder to talk to those who are close to us, who have known us our whole lives, who have known us in our ups and downs and our different phases of life that, you know, yes, you have that support in a way, but to talk to someone who you don't know and sharing your story like that is, it's a whole different meaning and twist to it. I think that's a beautiful twist because sometimes you see there are people just like you out there and you wouldn't have realized it or recognized it unless you have these conversations. That's the beauty of social media. You know, there's a lot of cons to social media, but that's one of the really good things that I found in this whole process. Yeah, absolutely. And I really admire that you said, you know, you were completely comfortable sitting by yourself. That's where you're most comfortable. And you accepted that. And you didn't want people to feel sorry for you. Because if you really felt that uncomfortable by yourself, you probably would have maybe tried to make an effort to to venture out, but you didn't, you felt you didn't need to. And I think it's important for people to realize, you know, that's okay. Doing what makes you feel comfortable is okay. However, it's also important. And I think your entire journey emphasizes this, especially in the book, is that regardless if you're an introvert, extrovert, whoever you are, getting outside your comfort zone allows you to grow and evolve as a human being rather than stay stagnant your whole life. Humans are not meant to stay in one mindset, in one you know type of personality, we're constantly evolving and changing. And I think a lot of mental health issues stem from when we try to hold ourselves back, when we talk ourselves out of certain things, when we have these dreams and these goals and these aspirations, but we talk ourselves out of it for whatever reason and we're too scared to try. That's when things start to turn in our minds negatively. And that's when the anxiety and the depression build because we want to do these things, but we're holding ourselves back. So I think your journey is so inspirational in so many different ways, but especially in emphasizing that it's worth being uncomfortable in order to get comfortable and grow and evolve as a human being. Self-doubt is that one thing that will hold you back from anything. And I experienced that a lot. And I talk about that in the book too, as I'm experiencing different things and pushing myself out of my comfort zone and I'm traveling to volunteer and it's really great. But each time I went to travel, I was like, can I really do this? After having volunteered in North Carolina and in Puerto Rico, I go to Nepal. And in Nepal, I thought I woke up one morning and I was like, why did I do this? Did, did I make the mistake? Like, what am I doing again? I'm I'm, you know, completely exhausted. My body and my muscles are so sore. Did I do the right thing? It was like I had to shift my perception a little bit. I had to tell myself, okay, yes, I'm sore. Yes, I'm exhausted. Yes, I'm tired. I could have let that mindset take me to this place of, you know what, I just, this isn't for me and I'm just going to go home. I'm going to go back to Kathmandu and fly home. <laughs> you know, I could have, <laughs> I could have approached it like with the mindset of begrudgingly being there. Instead, I shifted my perception and thought, okay, look what's happening. Your back may be feeling like it's breaking, Tiffany, because you're bending over and you're picking up bricks and, and you're soaking in creating hundreds of bricks a day and it's sore and I've got blisters on my hands and some of them are opening and I don't know if they're going to be infected and, and everything hurts. But when you look over and you see the walls of that school building higher and higher and you hear the kids over to my left laughing and pointing at us and giggling and they're happy because they see their school being built. That's 
what makes all of that hard work worth it. And then I came to realize like, you know what, this pain that I'm feeling, this physical pain, I'm going to turn this into something positive. It's going to be worth it in the end. Because when I see the pictures of that school and it's complete, it's going to be amazing. Taking the emotional pain too, and putting that into the positive things and different difficult emotions I'm experiencing, the self-doubt, the, you know, not sure what I'm doing with my life and all of that. When you push it into something good, like seeing those walls of that school build little by little by little, it makes you feel like, wow, this is a good thing. And I'm glad I pushed through those moments of self-doubt because my self-doubt, if I would have let it win, I would have never even taken that first trip to Puerto Rico because I was scared. I'll tell you, I was so scared. I told myself that this was something that I was not capable of doing construction work and doing like, you know, fixing roofs. That's something I had never even attempted in my life, let alone, I, I barely knew how to use a power drill. <laughs> and so I was telling myself like, Tiffany, what are you doing? This is way above you. You don't even like to talk to people and you're going to go by yourself to go volunteer. Who are you? You're, you can't do this. But I had to push through and had to say, you know what? I don't know what this is going to do. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I had faith and hope that doing it was going to be a good thing for me. And it absolutely was the best thing I could have ever done. Again, it just proves the point that when you push yourself past your comfort zone and when you fight those demons in your head of, of self-doubt and insecurities and all those negative self-talk, beautiful things happened. Hence the title, Beauty Beyond the Threshold. It's awful to feel scared and self-conscious and insecure and question yourself constantly. But when you do the things that you didn't think you could do, feeling that feeling of accomplishment, you just won the lottery because you thought you couldn't this many minutes ago. And then like, boom, you just proved yourself wrong. And you're like, I can do anything. If I can do this, I can do anything. And it's true. If you really want to do something, you can do it. When we talked, I was just like fired up because I've never had anyone on the show like you. And I can relate to you in so many different ways. I haven't yet done something like you have, but it's inspiring me to consider doing something like that, whether it be just in my community, which I already have considered, or one day taking the leap and doing something on my own, because there are so many people out there that are introverted that they feel like, oh, I could never go anywhere by myself. You can. And at least just trying the thing, whether it's for you or not, will still prove to yourself that you can do it. I just commend you to infinity and beyond for doing the work that you're doing for the world because right now the world is literally, I feel like it's crumbling and I know I'm not the only one that feels like that. So hearing stories like this gives people hope. So that's another thing that I hope the listeners take away today is a sense of hope and that they can continue to do good things in the world and make this world a better place. I think too, the, the powerful act of stepping out of your comfort zone and pushing yourself to do something that you didn't think you can do, it does wonders for building confidence mm -hmm. and self-esteem. And I noticed that as I did these things, there was just this powerful transformation and shift of mindset. As you read through the book, 
The book is written in past tense, but my thoughts currently are in italics. So you can see what I'm thinking at the time and what I've been told, it makes readers feel like they're experiencing everything with me as they go along on the journey. But what was really, really nice about the writing the book and was really interesting was my perspective and my sense of humor, my personality shifted throughout the book. You know, when I'm back in my depressive times, I'm just kind of very Eeyore, <laughs> like from Winnie yeah. the Pooh, like just very, <laughs> you know, I'm just sad. Dumb, and I don't know how, you know, everything is so grim. But then at the end, I'm full of life and I'm, I'm joking about things and I'm eager to experience things. And it's really, really powerful. Also, another point I'd like to touch on is that sometimes when you push yourself to do something that you're nervous about, it can inspire other people to do the same thing. And I just had an experience with this last weekend with my son. We were visiting with him and he doesn't live with me. He lives with his dad. And I talk about that in my book as well, that period of time where we went through that transition. We went to go visit with him. And after just publishing this book, part of being an independent author is you have to market yourself. And so that means you have to put yourself out there. And in order to get your book into bookstores, you have to approach bookstores and say, my name is Tiffany and I wrote this book. Would you like to put it in your bookstore? Now, for me, that concept is like, oh no, this is scary. <laughs> I've got to talk. So I'm, I'm still not past completely my introvert. I'm very shy and I'm still very scared to do that. So we were walking in downtown Stanton, Virginia, and there was a little bookstore and my daughter wanted to go look in and look at a book. And I was like, telling my son, I was like, okay, maybe I should go and tell the owner of the bookstore that I wrote a book. And he's like, well, go do it. I'm like, oh, no, I'm scared. I'm scared. I can't, I can't. You, you go tell her, tell her your mom wrote a book. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Nervous. I'm super, super nervous. He's like, no, just, just go tell her. I was like, oh no, I don't know. I don't know. And probably a good eight minutes that felt like five hours went by where I was wrestling with my mind. Should I do this or not? eventually I just went up to her and I said, hi, I wrote a book, you know, I, and she said, okay, well on the website, you fill out a form and we'll see if it meets our criteria. That's what you do. I was like, oh, okay. And I walk out of there and I was like, oh, that wasn't that bad. And he was like, oh, good job, mom. You know, he's 15. He saw that. But then we were walking down the street and there were street performers. They were playing bluegrass music. One had a banjo, the other a mandolin and they were playing and he plays the guitar, my son. And there is a guitar laying on the, on the ground next to them where they were picking up and alternating the different instruments they were going to play. And he's like, I would love to do that one day, be like a street performer and play with them. I said, well, why don't you go ask if you could play with them? Maybe they'll let you play with them. And he's like, I don't know. I'm too shy. I don't know. And I was like, okay, well, no, it's up to you. But then out of nowhere, when they finished their song, he walked up and he asked them, hey, you know, do you let people play with you? And they're like, yeah, yeah, come on. And so they gave him the guitar and he played a song with them. And I got video and he watched the video for the rest of the day, like 30 times. And he was so excited. He posted on his Instagram about how he did this. And he later told me, you know, I think that he got that courage from watching me Oh do something gosh. that I was scared of. He knew he sensed because he knows I'm shy. He knows me well enough to know that that was a very scary thing for me to do, but I did it. And so it gave him the strength to do it as well. And that was such a beautiful, powerful thing that we experienced together as mother and son. So I, you know, encourage listeners that 
sometimes you stepping out of your comfort zone not only helps yourself, but it can really inspire someone else to do it. And it's going to increase their confidence and self-esteem as well. Seeing the joy on his face made it so worth it. I was like, oh, good thing I did that. Because, you know, if I hadn't, he might have been like, oh, no, I can't ask. I can't ask to go do that. So what you do can be helping others as well and inspiring others as well. That's a beautiful story. And I love that it was your son. Like you said that it bonded you, it connected you. I feel so now that you've shared that experience, the both of you can now be reminded every time that you want to do something that scares you, you can think back on that day and be like, well, we did it that day. We can do it now. It's like a motivator exactly. at this point. And I love that you said, you know, had we not done that, you would have missed out on that opportunity and you never would have made that memory. So again, beauty beyond the threshold, it just proves time and time again, that when you step outside your comfort zone, beautiful things happen. Absolutely. Well, I just want to say a huge thank you for joining me today. I was really looking forward to this episode and talking with you. And I actually have the book right here. I am about to start reading it. I'm so pumped. Like I can't freaking wait. And I'm actually going to be doing a giveaway and I will be giving away a copy of your book. So I will put all the rules and regulations and all that stuff up on my Instagram at the Wondering Mind podcast. But for the listeners, where can they find you on social media if they would like to continue to follow along with your journey? Sure. So my Instagram is author Tiffany Mosier. On Facebook, I'm Tiffany Mosier author. And I love interacting and talking with people. So feel free to send me a DM and, you know, get conversations going. I think it's just a wonderful thing to talk and share stories. I also have a website, www.tiffanymosier.com. And the book is available in ebook and paperback, uh, you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you prefer to shop. And one thing to keep in mind is that $1 from every paperback sold does get given to charity. So I wanted to give back to the organizations that helped me in my transition. That's incredible. Thank you so much. And I hope the listeners take a moment throughout the next couple of days and check out her website and all that she's accomplished, as well as the organizations she's involved in, and go purchase her book. Because even if you don't experience mental health issues, you need to know what goes on. It's important. And I think your journey is incredible. So it'll be just a very eye-opening and positive experience for anyone that reads it. So yes, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Wondering Mind podcast. Until next time, maintain your brain, keep on wondering. Thank you for listening to the Wondering Mind podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you wouldn't mind just taking a few moments and leaving us a review, letting us know what you think of the podcast. Also, feel free to follow us on Instagram at the Wondering Mind podcast and on Twitter at TWM podcast.